BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. This Ben Jaromsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J., take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jaromsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, March 12, 2021. Of course, it can be any time you're listening uh, on a podcast. The voice you heard at the outset has nothing to do with the conversation we're about to have. But Dennis always plays funny little clips. That was Alderman Tom Tunney, 44th Ward in the city of Chicago. I forget who he was mad at. He was mad at someone. Anyway, uh, headline in today's uh, paper. Give you an idea what is uh, going on in the world today. Biden signs relief plan into action. Yay. President Joe, good job. All right. I like that in you. Of course, we're not going to be talking about that either, but uh, that'll give you a sense of what is in the news today. All right. As I do with all distinguished guests on the Ben Jarowski Show. I asked my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. Now, we have two distinguished guests today. It's a special challenge. Each guest is going to have to introduce him or herself. This may be the highlight of the whole show right here as these guests introduce themselves. <laughs> so I, I am going to start with guest initial R. Introduce yourself. Thank you so much. My heart is pounding. Uh What's going on, everybody? I'm Rachel Jarofsky, uh, comedian, queer, power, Jewish, daughter to the one, the only Ben Jarofsky. Um, yeah, just kind of here to chop it on up, chop it on down. You can listen to me on Ain't Nobody Checking For Me podcast, drops every Friday. But I'm here for the Ben Jarofsky show today. Dad, thanks for having me on. All right. And you'll see why I had her on in a little while. And now... Without further ado, distinguished guest, M. <laughs> M is warming up, man. I like that. Distinguished guest, M, introduce yourself. How's it going, everybody? My name is Miles Porter, uh, current host of the Midday Mile podcast. On my podcast, we talk sports, music, everything funny. I uh, also have some music dropping soon. Proud baseball player and baseball coach at Bash Sports. you know, And also a very, very proud Jew. And Shabbat Shalom to everybody listening in on me. All right, Miles Porter. Uh, Miles Porter, of course, that name is familiar to Ben Jarowski's show. Uh, listeners, Miles was our editor uh, for the better part of the summer of 2000, before the pandemic hit in. And um, so it's great to have Miles and Rachel on. All right. The reason I just thought of the two of you guys right off the bat was, was when this story broke, the Myers Leonard story. And I've been uh, promoting this individual show we're about to do all day. Miles, uh, excuse me, Miles. I'm looking at Miles' name and I'm thinking, my, it, Miles had nothing to do with this. Myers Leonard, uh, a backup center for the Miami Heat uh, basketball team, was fined $50,000 and suspended indefinitely from, for some uh, anti Semitic remarks he made 
while playing a video game. We're going to get into all of this. Uh, the reason I invited uh, Rachel and Miles, uh, other than the fact that I love them, I think they're talented and uh, great people, is that both of them are Jewish, both of them are athletes, and one of them knows a heck of a lot more about uh, video games than I do. Uh, and you put it all together, it's just a great combination. Um, so the exact quote, uh, I decided I was not going to play it because I just don't want to give put that poison out there. So I'll just say um, uh, he was riffing. I guess he thought this was clever. Uh, so he said, uh, fucking coward. Don't fucking snipe at me, you fucking KB. And K is a derogatory word for Jews, and B is a derogatory word for women. All right, Miles, uh, you're our game expert. Um, yeah. I'll read to you what they said in the New York Times uh, to give you a um, an idea of, um, and then you can explain this to me. Uh, yeah. Here we go. So this is... Um, this is explanation. I, it's gonna. It, this was in the New York Times. I want you to translate this for everybody, so everybody knows uh, what they're talking about. Myers Leonard, a 29-year-old gaming aficionado, was playing Call of Duty Warzone, a popular multiplayer video game on Twitch, a live streaming platform. When he said the slur, lots of, lots of, lots of phrases and words and concepts that are really foreign to baby boomers and people of the older persuasion. So why don't you break it down for us, Miles, and explain what that all means? Go. Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about Call of Duty Warzone, it's an extremely, extremely competitive video game that anywhere from PS4 players, Xbox. Xbox um, and computer PC players play. Basically, to sum it up, to make it real simple, Call of Duty is a battle royale style game similar to the format of Fortnite that puts you or your team against a large number of players on a large map, and the goal of that game is to be the last one to survive. So, this game is very competitive. It can be very frustrating at times, which clearly that Myers Leonard showed. During that, during that stream, he was getting sniped at from a distance. With the positioning that he was in, he was very much out in the open, so he was very close to getting downed and killed, which ended up happening, as you saw at the end of the stream with that clip when he got the phone call. So that is that is the that is the format of how that game works. Now, this kind of culture that, you know, the very, like, groggy, uh, derogative kind of language that, that he used, it's not something new in Call of Duty. I have been called the N-word and many other things while playing that game. It is sadly just the culture of how it is. It's the competitive competitiveness, which is, is not an excuse. And, um, you know, this is something that is very, is very not surprising to me, but, um, you know, it's, it's not okay. All right. And so this part of, I understand that people play video games. I'm a little embarrassed to make this confession, but what the heck? I'm too old to be really embarrassed anymore. Yeah. So I understand that people play video games. I've been uh, at Miles' house many times uh, watching games with his father, uh, real live uh, basketball or football games on his TV with his father, while Miles and his friends have been playing video games What uh, in another room. Uh, confession time what i didn't know until this broke and this is really embarrassing miles so uh maybe rachel you can help me out too by also confessing this i did not realize that there were large communities of people who watched other people play video games this is, i'm a little embarrassed to confess uh, miles <laughs> gave me a little talk about this miles like the number of people who watch other people play video games go oh uh, it's it's incredible uh, specifically on the streaming service twitch 
where, you know, the best gamers in the world or maybe not the best gamers, athletes, celebrities, rappers, whoever you name it, they, you know, they plug in their gaming system, they start their stream and they have an audience of people who they can like engage with a little bit and they watch them play these games. And, you know, for a lot of these guys, that's how they're making their money. Some of the top gamers in the world are making, you know, 30 to $40 million every, every two years in total, just by playing video games in front of a lot of people. And cause they're good at it or they're entertaining while they're good at it or they're bad at it. It's just the entertainment factor. And so as part of the entertainment, uh, being able to make comments about what the game, what's happening in the game as it's progressing. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's everything that, that is such a big part of it. Um, just, you know, being funny or being serious it, it all it all plays into it when it comes to being being a professional streamer when it comes to video games. It's that whole aspect, just put it into one. Playing and then commenting on what you're doing and then engaging with the audience while doing it. All right. Now, moment of confession, uh, Miles, and tell the truth. You're sworn <laughs> under oath to tell this truth. Yeah. Have you ever watched a video game that you were not playing? 100% I did it before we got on. I have my favorite gamers that I watch and I'll watch them after I'm done working out or whatever. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so before we turn it to Rachel to get her reaction to all this, because this may be the first time she's hearing this, what is it that's uh, pleasing or pleasurable or enjoyable about watching a great video gamer do his thing? Dad, I was literally just thinking that question. That's insane. <laughs> I was that was in, I was like, what's captivating about this? It's almost like you could put it like in a similar category for like when you're watching like a show or you're watching like like the Chicago Bulls or the Chicago Cubs play. For me, I I didn't do this before the pandemic came. So like when I'm at home and I'm just like, oh man, I can't do much right now, you know. I'm not very good at this game. Let me try to watch a couple of these guys play. Like, oh, they're really good. Oh, they're really funny too. He's really serious. I like that about him. I want to watch more of him. So it's just like the, I think in a way, like it's something that like a lot of people can relate to when they're watching these gamers play because they're playing the same games that simply that I'll be playing at home, that my friends will be playing at home, nieces, nephews. It's just something that like you see yourself relating to that person. So I guess that's like where it comes from, similar to like sports. So. All right, Rachel, your thoughts about this? I mean, I, I knew this was a thing. Um, I, well, I, I just think it's relevant to mention or bring up that we were not allowed to have game systems in the house growing up. <laughs> I desperately wanted a PlayStation. Desperately. Mostly for NBA Live. NBA Live was like my favorite game as a kid. Um, Let me tell you, man. NBA Live and like Grand Theft Auto, which is a horribly damaging game for just like the psyche of a child. I would say probably <laughs> really for male children. Um, but I mean, it doesn't. It, I think one one thing that I I had a question for you, Miles, is that like, do you think these like gamer spaces like are they predominantly male spaces? Like, are there women or like? I'll just ask women apart from like non-binary folks but are there like women or like any other people apart from males that are like crushing it in the gaming sphere or like able to crush it 100 percent. there are there are a number of women streamers that are absolutely incredible um there is it's a pretty it's a pretty di i would say that it is mostly a male dominant um 
platform, but the the female streamers, the female gamers, and the fans, they are they are they are the best. <laughs> they are right. they are they are nothing nothing less of these uh of the male gamers. Some of them are way better than a lot of the right. guys I watch. And I watch them and they give me tips and thankfully I was able to win last night. But I would say it's 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 um a little bit more male predo- uh, dominant, but definitely right. there's a very, very large uh female presence in there. Non-binary. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. So when you Hell when yeah. it's when there's a woman that's playing the game, what and uh, what kind of comments? I get it. The trash talking is very much a part of the culture. So mm-hmm. what kind of trash talking will a woman deliver to a man uh, to a man that she's playing? And what's the kind of trash talking that she'll go to? It's almost like the same thing, honestly. Depending on the streamer, depending on you know what kind of what kind of persona they want to give. There's a lot of streamers who don't talk like that. There's a lot of streamers who do not swear at all, male, female, and they just, you know, they want it. They want their their audience to be very broad. They don't want to be inappropriate. They keep it very, very, you know, PG. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty universal, honestly. It goes both ways. Uh, very derogatory comments about dying or anger at the game. It's I've, I've honestly seen to be the same going both ways. All right, and now uh, one last question before we get into the specifics. And this is a question that is born out of utter ignorance. And yes, I was the father who would not allow Rachel to have the game. But don't feel too sorry for her. I couldn't even have a Game Boy. I couldn't even have a Game Boy. (laughs) But Miles, the whole she went to her friend's house and they played it all the time. So uh, (laughs) uh, I that's a shout out to you, Days. I know you were playing it over there, Days. Anyway, so. Like, uh, so what What makes a good gamer? You know, is it like quickness with fingers? Because when I see this, this, you're pushing the button to, to shoot. So, like, what makes it a good, like, why is one gamer better than another gamer? Just, just dominating, getting more kills, getting more money, whatever. Like you said, the quickness, how they move their fingers is really different. I have friends who are not good at the game, and they aim very slow. Then I have... Close friends of mine, Malachi Adams, you know him very well, very <laughs> profound track runner. He is crazy at this game. Just the, his precision and the way he moves and his leadership, that distincts, you know, the good gamers from the bad gamers. Kind of like we're talking about good athletes and the athletes who are still working to get to that point. So it's just, a, you know, it's just experience, really, and just understanding the game. All right, uh, Malachi, shout out to you, one of the great uh, track stars of Evanston High School. All right, yeah. now... We come to uh, Myers Leonard's and his comment. Uh, Miles, had you ever watched Myers Leonard play before? before Absolutely, Absolutely not. Okay, so you don't know what his. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even know that he streams. I know Devin Booker and a few other NBA players, but no, I would not think of Myers Leonard. No. All right. Well, Rachel, we'll start with you. Uh, when you heard the quotes, when you heard what Meyer Leonard said, uh, uh, fucking coward, don't fucking snipe at me, you fucking KB. What was your thoughts? My thoughts were just like, well, first of all, I didn't, I had never even heard of Myers Leonard. Some dude who's got a, fir- a, la- a first name where that sounds like a last name and a last name that sounds like, who named this man is my question. <laughs> what was going on when his name was chosen? You know that's not a Jew. A name like Myers Leonard, I don't think that's like an old down south. I don't know. I 
I wasn't surprised there. I wasn't particularly surprised by it. I also wasn't surprised by his apology or lack thereof. Um, I think my first concern was my initially, I was just like, what is going to be the backlash if any? And I also was like, he better get it just as hard as Nick Cannon got it was how was what I thought. Like he, the way that they tried to cancel Nick Cannon, which everything that Nick, and it's, I mean, it's not like I'm saying it wasn't that bad what he said. Like it wasn't great what he said, but it's just like, he better get that same fucking level of cancellation. Um, and, and I'm looking yeah, I mean that, that was, that was my primary thought was like, okay, how are people, how much trouble is he going to get it? I was Rich, very explain, explain for our uh, older listeners, Nick Cannon and what he got in trouble for Nick Cannon. It must've been on, I want to say it was on his Viacom podcast. I can't even remember this. Does anyone remember the specifics of what he said? It was, I don't know. There was like, it was like Nick Cannon said something. Do you remember miles? What he said exactly? I know it was along the lines of saying that, um, uh, it was like, it was saying like Jewish people or like there was like the original black people or something like that. And saying that like, then he dropped the names of like, he was like, like the Rosenbergs or like started dropping names, but Oh, they get the real money or something like that. He kind of generalizing, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's where yeah. it was, it was that from what I remember, it was like something with kind of like the classic beef between like a beef that is like that I feel like white Jews love getting into of like the yeah, Hebrew yeah. Israelite faction and then yeah. like the Jewish faction and like who's really Jewish and it's like we just kind of want to perform racism so we're going to fight about this and like <laughs> I I think really Nick Cannon got it so bad because it was right around the time that Ice Cube was wiling the fuck out and so it was like almost like they just everyone or the higher ups at Viacom just like shut him down. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, on like a, on like a business level, he really got his, like he really suffered. Like he lost a lot of deals and contracts and, you know, he also, I think went out of his way to then educate himself. And so I, all that is to say is I was really interested in just seeing the double standard that was inevitably yeah. going to arise. I, I just want to say, I got nothing of a love for Nick Cannon at this time because he really has gone out of his way. He met with rabbis, met with Jewish groups. And uh, so he's become just sort of a a preacher for peace. And uh, so I got a lot of love for him. I'm not sure where Myers Leonard is going uh, to take this. Uh, Miles, your thoughts when you first heard it, what was your reaction? I was like, come on, bro. Really? Like, really? What are you, what are you doing? I mean, I, I understand the competitiveness of the game, getting frustrated when certain things happen. I've been called a Dan word numerous amount of times. You really don't know who, you know, who's shooting at you in that game. You don't know because it's not on display. You just see like the name of the, the gamer. You see like the skin, the player coming at you through the game. You don't know who that person is. So to sort of break that word out and to just like, you know, kind of just be so like derogatory about it and like so mean, it's just, I don't know. And then to, for him to get like a little slap on the wrist, it's just, uh, doesn't sit well with me. It does not sit yeah. well with me. And I believe that, you know, I believe that one of the best ways to help, you know, help like this whole situation is 
educate someone. Let them know. I think that's one of the best solutions to come up. Punishment, hold him accountable. Yes, all of it. And at the same time, let's make sure that we're letting him know, hey, so this is why this hurts people. This is why this isn't okay. Let me educate you real quick like Julius Edelman's. By the way, just so folks know, maybe confused, uh, Miles is a black man who's Jewish. I was at his bar mitzvah. He killed it at that bar mitzvah, if I may say so myself. His daddy, <laughs> Keith, really killed it with a great speech. <laughs> Never saw so many black people in a synagogue in my life until I went to Miles' <laughs> bar mitzvah. <laughs> it was a great event. I treasure it to this day. Um, all right. I'm going to give you guys uh, the question here. So uh, after, uh, <laughs> after he made this comment, and I don't know what he was thinking, but after he made this comment, uh, he's playing the game. Uh, and then the game, the people are commenting uh, in real time about, dude, what did you just say, et cetera, and so forth. He gets a phone call. He puts himself on mute so you can't hear the conversation. But you could see a video, the video of him talking on the phone. It's so classic. He's talking, you can look at his face, and his face has got that look of, uh oh. And then he hangs up the phone, and I am not making this up. He pushes back the button so he's not muted anymore. Uh, and he says, uh, quote, my, my, my wife needs me. She just called. I've got to roll, brother. And then he signs off. Now, I'm going to say this. I do not believe that that phone caller was his wife. I believe that phone caller was somebody, probably his agent, maybe, or his business manager. And I do not believe at all his assertion that his had to go because his wife called him. In other words, I believe on top of everything else he did, he threw his wife under the bus. That's my personal book. Opinion. I'm going to start with you, Miles, and get yours, uh, your opinion about what was on that phone call. Then we'll go to Rachel. Miles, your thoughts. So originally, I also thought it was his wife. Originally, I thought he was in the doghouse. I'm like, dude, you messed up. But thinking about it after a few days, I think someone who manages him called him and let him know, like, hey, man, you effed up. You should get off this stream and we should, you know, try to come up with a solution because you are in some deep trouble. <laughs> so that's what that's what I think at this point is going on with him. Rachel. Yeah, probably his fucking Jewish agent. I mean, come on. Like any you know how many Jews are probably working for this man? Like just Yeah, I I completely I I honestly hadn't that hadn't occurred to me dad that he was like I hadn't really given a lot of thought to what was going on with the call but that makes total sense that it was probably like uh, we got to deal with this you know well the call is my favorite part of the whole I mean the, the other thing is so obnoxious but the call is real you got to look at his face Uh oh. Uh-huh. Right. just back it up a little bit okay I just have to say something Myers Leonard is a very mediocre basketball player who through the good graces of the collective bargaining agreement in the NBA gets got a contract worth nine million a year every Get him, he's getting hurt. He can't play. He's out at the moment with him. Uh, his shoulder hurts. So instead of, <laughs> Miles, you're going to get mad at me, but instead of recuperating and doing training, he's playing a freaking video game. I mean, if I'm a hey. Miami Heat fan, and thank God I'm not because I can't stand the Miami Heat, but if I'm a Miami Heat fan, I'm like, what are you playing video games for, young man? You should be in that gym 
doing stretching exercises or yoga, do tree pose, something. So that was my reaction, uh, Rachel. And let me ask you this, Rachel. What wife ever in the whole history of the world is going, oh, I have to put a time, put aside precious time today because my husband is playing a video game and I want to watch it. Come on, Rachel, your thoughts. No, it's it was totally random. Just like, first of all, I mean, talk about just white mediocrity in a, in a picture of white mediocrity. This man is in the league making $9 million and riding the bench. Like, cut me in. How do I get a similar <laughs> setup? Um, but no, I, I, it was so random. It was like, what, first of all, what time of day is this? Who's, who, what is your wife even wish you come from the kit? Like, you know, what's going on? It, no, it's completely like, what? It, 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 it doesn't all add up. I agree. All right. And then, uh, we'll get to the final part of Myers Leonard. We'll, and then we'll switch to more personal questions. Uh, uh, he said that in his apology that he did not know what the word meant when he said it and he profusely apologized. And I, I think he's reaching out so much to the Jewish community of Miami that uh, he's going to have a bar mitzvah. I believe that he no. announced <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Rachel, do you believe that Myers Leonard knew what that word meant when he uttered it? Go. I think that it's scary either way. I think that if if he didn't know the, first of all, I think he must have known, I do believe he knew that word was associated with Jews. And he must have known that word was associated with Jews in a negative way. I absolutely believe that he at least knew that much. Whether he knew the whole, you know, backstory of like where that word comes from. And I think it's derived from Yiddish and has something to do with the way Jews signed when they got to Ellis Island. Like whether he knew all that is a different story, but I think it more so just speaks to the insidious nature of anti-Semitism, which is just like people be so anti-Semitic and just like not even aware that that is what their behavior is or, or just the, the viciousness of it. So to me, that was scarier to be like, and that's, and I posted on my Instagram, I was like, yo, do any of my followers not know what this word means? Like, please let me know now because like, that's a huge issue. Um, So yeah. Yeah, um, I think he definitely knows the severity of how much that word hurts. I don't think, yeah, like, I don't think he, like, specifically knows, like, Rachel said, I don't think he knows, like, the specifics of, like, how that hurts us Jewish people. Um, right. But the the way that he used it in that, in that context that he did, he knows that, you know, hey, you know, whoever hears this, yeah, you killed me, you're shooting at me, haha, I hurt your feelings. So, you know, right. so I definitely, I definitely believe that he knows that that word is like something that you can say to like, you know, really dig at someone. Uh, but, you know, I don't think he was specifically educated enough to know the history of that word. Well, I got to tell you, uh, when you listen to the tape, it, I get the feeling that he's really, he, there's a pause before he says it. And he's trying to find the word that really sums up like something just to like really push the envelope. And that's the word uh, he came up with. And he probably was rifling through every single derogatory, you know, yeah, yeah. word in the, in his mind. And he goes, well, I'll settle on this one. 
it probably felt like a safe one to settle on, you know, like one that would be, wouldn't get him in too much trouble, which, you know, that remains to be seen. Uh, all right. Uh, so let me ask you guys this. Uh, both of you are Jewish. Both of you have competed athletically, uh, Rachel basketball and track and miles, uh, baseball. Uh, have you ever heard, have you ever been exposed to anti, uh, Semitic rhetoric? Have you ever heard this word? Has this ever been thrown at you? We'll start with Rachel. Um, I don't in a sports space i don't feel like i've necessarily really felt specific anti-semitism towards me in part because look i'm blonde hair blue eyes as my you know people are very limited in the way they think jews look as my great late grandmother used to say i look like a shiksa <laughs> so it's not like people unless i'm like you know pulling up to the track meet in a yarmulke it's not like people are going to necessarily like know um, just because for what I said, you know, people have a very specific idea of what a Jewish person looks like, which is also problematic. Um, the times that I really, uh, I think that like whenever we would run against like Marian Catholic or some like Catholic white, like, you know, maybe like, south suburb school that's when i would think what would these what do these people think of jews that's where i would have like an internal nervousness about knowing that i'm jewish and not knowing what sort of hate that the people that you know who whomever i was playing against might you know harbor against jews so yeah but that's sort of more of an internal struggle versus overtly hearing it. I have overtly heard it and received it, but those were in other spaces not associated with athletics. Miles? To build, to literally build off what Rachel just said, no one knows I'm Jewish until I tell them. Six one black, dark skinned, they, they, they're they like, you're Jewish? Oh, I didn't know that was a thing for you. That's, that's interesting. Tell me more about it. Really, really, uh, no, I've never, I've never experienced uh, that much anti-Semitism in, in baseball. Um, you know, you know, there's, I think there's been little comments here and there, just like against the Catholic schools that, that we played, similarly, very similar to what Rachel was talking about. There's little things here and there from if I say a small prayer to myself before I step back into the box and the catcher hears it or the coaches in the other dugout here, there's been one, one or two times they asked me, what was that about? Um, but besides that, it's never been anything, anything too crazy. Maybe a few comments from my high school baseball coach who were kind of like, kind of teased me about it in a way that made me uncomfortable. Um, but outside of that, it was, it was never too much of that. It was more of the fact that being a black man playing baseball. That was, that's where I really had a lot of, um, and still do had to have a lot of, you know, conflict with people. And that's where it goes for me. Yeah. Well, before we uh, get to uh, being a, a black man playing baseball, what would the coach be saying? Like, what was the tease? He would. Uh, I remember. I remember one time uh, when I was when I was a senior. He made this. He made this one comment, kind of like joking around. And the the at bat before I had hit a double off them. And my first at bat, I like hit a single off them. And then jokingly, he looks at me and says, hey, "Do you think they're going to hit you because you're black or hit you because you're Jewish?" And I'm like, "Okay, dude. Like that's just that's not cool in any way, shape, or form." And first of all, 
if they're going to throw at me because they hit a double or like a triple or a single off them, that's their fault, dude. You're laying it over the plate. I'm Miles Porter. I'm going to send it over the wall. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to send it over the wall, respectfully. And so, the, you know, to me, as the recent thought, that was the most like uncomfortable, kind of hurtful comment because he's attacking both parts of what's so important to me being Jewish, which is so, so dear to my heart and being black, which is another aspect of myself that is also so dear to me. Uh, And before we turn it to Rachel to get a deeper dive, you talked about being a black man playing baseball. What's some of the biases that you face there? Uh, I'm fast. I play the outfield. Grades probably aren't good. Um, I probably don't speak very clear. It's, it's so much. And so many of those comments, um, I, I didn't really face those in college playing at Rosebud and Oakton schools that I feel are very welcoming and they, they understand that those comments hold weight to them. Uh, but for some reason in high school, it's just, um, you know, my coach said, oh, yeah, you know why they walked you, right? Because you're black. Or you know why they picked off because you're on first place because you're black. They think that you're fast. And it's like, okay, well, I am fast, but – you know, me being black has nothing to do with it. You know, this is, you know, it's just like, why well, we need to go there. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rachel, uh, you say that uh, in, in the sports realm, you didn't get, uh, you didn't hear much anti-Semitism outside of sports. You did talk about that a little bit. I will amend something about the sports realm. As I remember playing track, there was, um, I think it's less anti-Semitism so when I, when I was a cross country runner, you know, there's always like, you say a prayer before you get on the line and there, everyone else on the, on the, you know, in the top seven or however cross country works, I kind of forget at this point was Christian. And so it's not, it's not necessarily anti-Semitism though. It could likely go in that direction, but it's just this omnipresent, you know, this omnipresent reminder of this Christian world that we live in that like, all of my fellow teammates are Christian and they're going to want to say this prayer in a specific way. And they're going to want to name drop Jesus. And I'm just going to sort of like sit there and do my thing. And they're bowing their head. And I'm just like, well, this isn't really how we pray at all. But honestly, I don't really know how we pray because my, my father put me in uh, basketball on Saturdays rather than Hebrew school. But so I think it's those little things where it's just like you as a Jew feel like a other because of just like this shared Christian language that everyone around you is kind of um, speaking. So that's, I guess that's a little bit to speak for the, um, the sports element, but yeah, I would say, I mean, I had a grammar school. I had people say shit. I had a girl tell me I belonged in a concentration camp once. I think learning about um, learning about the Holocaust as the only Jew in the classroom was kind of a traumatic experience. And I remember having like a, uh, this was maybe in fourth grade. I remember there was a German, I had like a German American teacher teaching it. And just like, there wasn't a lot of care or mindfulness put into like, okay, I'm teaching this. Who's Jewish in the room? Who do I need to make sure is okay? You know, you know, these are children that are learning a very harsh topic. Like how can I deliver this and be mindful in delivering this mindful of like the identities of who this will really hit home for. It was a lot of, I remember that unit, especially, it was a lot of looking around, like, is anyone else here in this? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like trying to meet eyes with anyone. Um, But yeah, so I would say those were, oh, and then in in high school, for sure, I think I was definitely, 
um, I had people who are like your friends would say shit to me, you know, don't be a Jew. You're, you know, stop being such a Jew with money or, um, what's that Jew doing? Just like needling, needling, and you're being needled for your identity. And it's supposed to see, it's supposed to come across as chummy, but it's, you know, it's just anti-Semitic is what it is. And you absorb the blow and maybe years later you get irritated at them. You know, at the moment you don't say anything. I would pop off sometimes, but that was part of it. It's like they wanted to get a rise out of you. It's like, I mean, truly in high school, I couldn't bring up money, at least around the, the like boys in the crew without being, you know, without my Jewishness being brought up, you know, just for in whatever scenario you might need to be throwing money around, like we're getting food or like whatever. So in closing, I'll start with you, Miles, and then we'll go to you, Rachel. Do you think something positive can come out of Myers Leonard, or is this just one of those things? Is this blip? It disappears. It's a uh, it, it, you know, it's furiously debated on uh, Twitter for about twenty four hours, and then it just disappears. Or do you think it's possible that something positive can result from this? Go ahead. I definitely think there's something positive that could come of it. Um, for people who were not aware of that word or were aware of it and, and, you know, didn't fully understand the severity and the weight that it holds, you know, now they know, now they know. And if they still don't know, they, they see how, you know, the reaction is to it. Maybe some people will start to educate themselves. You know, I know Myers Leonard, he's going to have to educate himself and he's going to learn from this. And, you know, hopefully, you know, people use this as an example. It's like, Hey, stuff like this isn't okay. It's not cool. Um, you know, what are other ways that we can express our frustration rather than resorting to name calling, which is something that goes as simple as when we're taught as kids. As my mom always told me as a kid, is just there's other ways to express your frustration and there's other ways to, you know, just deal, just deal with something you don't like. But um, using slurs, uh, you know, insulting people, a group of people, it's not okay. You know, so I think many people have learned from this and Miles Leonard being the example that had to be used. Rachel? Yeah, I agree. I think like, um, more than anything else, like I hope, I think that people really think that words extinct. Um, and it's, I just, it's not, and it has very, you know, painful implications. And so I, I hope that like, yeah, there's, there's just conversations that can result in growth, you know, happening around it. And I also think that like, you know, I'm not trying to come too hard for folks, but I just hope that, you know, these middle of the road white Jews get as mad as fucking Myers Leonard as they did, like, whatever black person they're mad at for anti-Semitism. And we just see that, like, this behavior across the board, you know, is not right and needs proper redress. All right. Well put. That's as good a spot as out. Uh, to end this, uh, Miles Porter, thank you so much. Rachel, Ray J, Jarofsky, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I guess, like, you know, I'm like, I don't know her. Uh, Rachel Jarofsky, thank you very much for being with That's my daughter, ladies and gentlemen, my daughter. Uh, anyway, and uh, Miles, by the way, I'm just going to let the, break the fourth wall. Miles did a great job of talking and explaining his feelings while his father, one of my best friends was walking behind. (laughs) I was right at the, I saw you, Keith Porter. I saw you. I think you're slick. Uh, Anyway, Miles Porter, Rachel Jarofsky. Thank you very much. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.